0: How are gender relations represented in Shakespeare? Penny Gay begins by talking about Isabella from Measure for Measure.
1: Isabella is a very interesting character, it seems to me. I mean, she begins the play by saying she's going to be a nun. Uh, and you might say, well, that's a cop-out, she's escaping from the world. But of course, anybody who enters the religious life these days, I mean, women who enter the religious life, will tell you that they are removing themselves from the world in order to give it some sort of spiritual strength. So I don't think we need to call that a cop-out. Um, But, in fact, of course, Isabella does re-enter the world and in those scenes with Angelo, she argues most eloquently there are some fabulous speeches that Isabella has and uh, I think the fact that she has been forced to re-enter the world has, has, if you like, um, encouraged in her uh, a sort of eloquence that she, by taking a vow of silence she was going to cut off. So, in a sense, she was going to... um, not use those talents which, if you like, had she'd been given by God or whatever. Ania Lumba
0: I think for a feminist it is important to see how Shakespeare's play allows us to look at gender relations in the 16th century and to look at gender relations in our own time and it allows us to be feminist in a very, uh, very, I think, uh, productive way. It's a play that allows us to critique what relationships between men and women are like or should be like. John Drakarkis.
2: the traditional view of Cleopatra is that she is a femme fatale. Every middle-aged male academics dream of what a woman should be. You know, age cannot wither her, nor customs stale her infinite variety, yes? Now, if we think of that particular play in terms of the opposition between Rome and Egypt, then immediately there is a political tension in the play. If we think of Cleopatra as black, then black and white we have a racial tension in the play, we've got a gender tension in the play, we have a political tension between Rome and Egypt, and of course this is cast in the framework of a tragedy.
0: A feminist perspective for me in Antony and Cleopatra uh, actually involved looking at a Cleopatra as, uh, constructed as a prototype of the Orient, this um, lascivious, a wanton unruly woman but then this stereotype why why was Shakespeare constructing it or why did it have any meaning for people in Shakespeare's time? And it had meaning not simply because uh, people were going to the East, because there was colonial travel, because people had certain ideas uh, about uh, women overseas or women and men overseas, but also because there was Elizabeth ruling on the throne and she was a powerful queen and uh, there was a whole sort of discourse about unruly women and a very, very lively and intense debate about what what a woman in power uh, should do or could do, or whether a woman should be in power at all.
2: If we look at Egypt carefully, we find that Egypt is gendered. Rome is male, Egypt is female. The female undermines the male. (laughs) I mean, this is why we like to keep women in their place, of course, because they're very dangerous to a patriarchal society.
0: One of the things I always like to point out to my students is that Cleopatra refuses to call Antony husband until after he's dead then he does not threaten her anymore. Now, throughout the play, she's sort of resisting, becoming Antony's wife, resisting being a Roman matron, uh, you know, uh, uh, establishing an alternative style of sexual politics, an alternative style of being. And as soon as he's dead, she says, you know, whatever's good, what's brave, what's uh, noble, let's do it in the high Roman fashion, and husband, I come. And of course, this is Cleopatra at her supreme actress-like best
2: what Cleopatra does she gets hold of a Roman and she well I was going to say castrates them but not quite that yes she made proud Caesar lay lay his sword to bed he plowed her and she cropped and in fact of course she then produces Caesar's bastard son now if you think of a patriarchal society in which continuity is dependent upon the legitimacy of offspring you can begin to see what kind of threat Cleopatra poses. Where Rome is rather anally retentive, Egypt, of course, is anarchic and carnivalesque. And this is the basis of an interesting conflict, I think, between two radically opposed ways of looking at the world. Now, that in itself, of course, produces a politics. Cleopatra's whimsicality, her strategies in dealing with rome are part of a politics which have to do with first of all experiencing colonization and then finding a way of surviving in the face of it the open university for more information go to www.open.ac.uk/arts